0: Today's conversation covers a wide range of topics, from the future of work to the NBA bubble, digital transformations, and the future of customer experience. From Engagement, I'm David Malay, and this is Flip the Switch. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer and employee experience to tease out core principles, beliefs, trends that they're seeing, and apply those insights to the world of sports and entertainment and live events. All right, we've got another non-traditional episode for you all this week. This week's episode is another edited version of one of our Fireside Chats, a closed video call series that we've been doing since the pandemic started, where senior leaders in sports and entertainment get to sit down with other leaders to discuss topics of customer and employee experience. So you won't just hear my voice on this episode. You're going to hear the voices of other leaders asking their own questions as it relates to their own unique organization. I was actually recording this episode from a suite inside of a stadium, and I was running the connection from a hotspot on my phone. And at one point, my hotspot cut out and the conversation continued because others took the lead with their own questions. If you'd like to join our subscriber list to get notified of future events like this, go to engagementpartners.com backslash fireside dash chats to join the waitlist. Let me just start by saying this was one of my favorite episodes that we've ever recorded. And to our friends who were in the video call with us, I saw more note taking than I've ever seen before in one of these sessions. And I think that's going to be the same for you listening via audio. So don't say I didn't warn you when I tell you, get out your pen and paper now. You're going to want to take notes. Our guest for this session is Jared Spataro, a corporate vice president at Microsoft. Jared oversees Microsoft 365, including Microsoft Teams, as well as the company's focus on modern work. Obviously, the different elements of Microsoft 365 are deeply embedded in all of our daily work, from Outlook to Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Teams, and more. His team has tremendous insight into the data between and behind how we're using these tools, how they're interacting with each other, and how we're actually putting them to work for us. And that allows his team to see trends in the workplace before others see them. As a result, Jared and his team have been spending more and more of their time reimagining the future of the workplace, the future of how work gets done and the future that we play and how we use those tools. This is where we're going to spend the majority of our discussion today. Overseeing Microsoft Teams, Jared's team played a huge role with the NBA bubble. As their teams together mode allowed for the NBA to create virtual fans at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex. We've talked about the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex at length in previous episodes with Mike Millay, and we don't really dive deep on the particular activation with the NBA here. We touch on it, but we don't get into any of the details. But what we do talk about are Microsoft's broader activities in the sports and entertainment and live industries. And I actually think there's more application to all of you listening here rather than just diving deep on one particular bubble scenario. Uh, and we're gonna see that properties everywhere are having to place a more intentional focus on the digital experiences that they provide for their fans. And it's here that our group listening found some particularly interesting insights. Because like many of our guests on this show, Jared's experience is not limited to just sports and entertainment. He's seeing trends from all industries around the world, and his insight can help us think differently than our peers to better engage our fans and to better engage our employees. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Jared Spataro. So everybody, we've got Jared Spitaro here from Microsoft. Uh, so Jared, uh, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself a little bit. Um, but for today's topic, right? I think we can touch a little bit on the NBA bubble because that's initially where I reached out to Jared. But spend most of the time, the large majority, talking about using Teams within your uh, own athletic departments and and teams, uh, and and what does the future of work look like? Uh, how do we balance? furloughs and more work with not burning your whole team out uh, and using the tools that you have at your hand to the best of its ability to be able to do that. Um, So Jared, just before you introduce yourself real quick, we got an audience of kind of senior leaders at different athletic departments and and pro teams kind of around the country. Uh, So it's a small group. So feel free to ask questions that we won't get out of hand. We try to intentionally keep it that way. Um, but yeah, I'll let you, I'll turn it over to you, kind of introduce yourself and what you guys are working on right now.
1: Great. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Um, so I have been at Microsoft for a number of years. It's coming up on 15, which is hard for me to believe. I thought I'd be here for two and it's been forever. Uh, I have... I've come up um, through a whole bunch of different businesses. Right now I'm responsible for what we call Microsoft 365, which is everything that is kind of end user productivity facing. So think Windows, think Office, think Teams, all of those core brands that are end user facing. Of course, over the last 10 months or so, a lot of my time has been focused on Teams, growing Teams, scaling Teams. Um, you know, really innovating with teams, uh, trying to catch up with Zoom, <laughs> who has executed so well in so many ways. We think we have some great differentiators versus Zoom, for sure. Um, but boy, they've they've executed really well, too. So we have a healthy respect for them. And I'm excited to be here. You know, we've done some interesting projects um, with various sports organizations over the last few months. We did the NBA Virtual Fans Project. We've done some work with the NFL um, we have various sports sporting leagues around the world coming to us, and I'd be happy to talk about what we're doing with the technology, how we think of not just the future of work, but kind of digitization really broadly. And I'd just love to hear some of what's on your mind. I was really excited to get in front of this audience. Um, I have a, another meeting tomorrow with um, with our CEO, Satya Nadella, and we're talking about exactly this topic. So I was really excited to be able to have, um, have some time with this group.
0: Perfect. And And this group tends to be pretty candid and and so feel free to ask as as pressing questions as you want um, and, and guys same thing I, I think for from Jared's perspective right I, I think if I'm him I, I want to know exactly how what are the issues that you guys are facing on a regular basis so that Microsoft can look to help some of those solve some of those things um, Jared why don't we start there why don't we start with talking about some of the different relationships that you guys have. Obviously, I think the NBA one was a a very visible one, but obviously you guys have got deeper relationships with leagues uh, around the world.
1: Yeah, you bet. Um, You know, uh, sporting leagues have always used technology, I think, over the last couple of decades to think about how they can optimize their businesses. So we are very involved with them. Um, up until most recently, a lot of people thought of Microsoft as like a tools vendor. You know, those are the guys that sell Word, Excel, PowerPoint. But I'd say over the course of the last kind of five years or so, we've gotten more into communications technology, into collaboration technology in a, a serious type of way. And um, I think if you use, you know, the NBA, NFL as models, what a lot of sporting organizations have come to us for has been a way to use digital transformation applied to their key processes. You know, sometimes we see it applied to things like uh, recruitment and scouting. So that's a a big use case, I would say. Um, We certainly see it applied to operations. You know, that's a really big thing that we work with people on when it comes to leagues in particular. Um, When it comes to particular programs, they're looking to how they can digitize the program and so one of the usage of, of digitization is everything from the film that they review to kind of their schedule to the um, info that they're handing out to the athletes, whether those be pro or college, um, the, lots of people are looking to digitize that as well. So we we look across all of those various areas. Um, of course, we serve a whole bunch of industries, so I'm also happy to talk about what we're learning from other industries that we can apply here. But we look pretty broadly, I say, I'd say, across the, the operations for individual clubs and for whole leagues. And it happens all in all sports you can imagine all across the planet.
0: Uh, off the off the top of your head, I mean, what do you feel like has been maybe the most interesting or most progressive project you've done in the sports space specifically uh, in the last 12, 24 months or around digitization, not just the tools that you guys have?
1: I think that the deepest relationships that we have in terms of digitization has actually been with the NFL. So a lot of what has happened with the NFL recently had, had been in, in the works for the last probably 12 months or so. And they came to us with a desire probably 12 months or so ago and, and wanted to know how they could take digital technologies and apply them to the future of the game. They were starting to think about everything from, you know, how do we manage new camera angles, new experiences for the viewers, like to get to be a part of the, the game, all the way to how do we bring people in to have them be, if they can't be physically with us, um, how they can still be a part of, you know, the action essentially. So the stuff that we did with them was a little bit different, you know, an NFL venue just like any football venues outside, it's big, it's subject to weather. They didn't want to do the same type of thing that we ultimately ended up doing with the NBA of like real fans courtside. They were more interested in, could they bring kind of select experiences in? And so some of the kind of um, stuff that we've done with a, what's called a fan mirror at the end zone, the work that we've done that you don't even see in the stadium, but where we have fans and that's projected out through the broadcast, um, that was all in play pre-pandemic. And I, I was really happy to see us kind of accelerate those things. We actually were kind of on a longer burn. Burn, like a 24 month burn. And then we were able to accelerate those things. And I was excited to see that. So that's an example where we went really deep. We actually kind of took a took a moment to understand more of what they were trying to do over the long term and then brought that in. If I if I were to like, you know, I see Drew there with Hook'em Horns, you know, like if I think about college programs as an example, you know, certainly some of the things I hear is wanting to bring alumni in more closely to the game, people who don't live, you know, in the college town but really want to be involved, people who have an affiliation with their team that but don't geographically live, you know, in Los Angeles, but they're real Lakers fans. So some of that is pretty interesting to us because what we would say, and we'll probably get to this, David, but the trend is, of course, that location is going to matter less and less. And so if all of a sudden location matters less and less, I think that's a really interesting thing for us to be thinking about. You know, what do we do with our fans? What do we do with, you know, players now, former players? Um, how do you think even about kind of celebrities? We were thrilled the other day when we had President Obama next to Shaq, you know, yep. watching the NBA final, for instance. So there's a lot of things that have been coming to mind for us as we've been working with, you know, these various organizations
0: yeah, let, let, maybe let's explore that topic a little bit more, because I, I think it, to your point, it's one that's on everybody on this call's mind, particularly. Uh, there's some schools and, and some teams on here that their states aren't allowing fans and who knows when that'll come back. But I, I think that just highlights something that's been building for a long time and that traditionally, I think a lot of sports teams think about fan experience or customer experience even as a game day when you show up to campus or when you show up to the venue, it's a game day experience. But now I think the pandemic has just accelerated this view that customer experience is really 365. And how do we capture those Those the subway fans that might never come to a game or they might only come to a game once every five years, how do we create engaging experiences for them digitally? Um, I'm going off on a a little bit of a rant, but I I had a great conversation with one of Man City's uh, C-suite guys, and he said, you know, we've got fans in Colombia that will never come to a game, but we still have to create an experience for them. So I, I guess how are you guys... How do you think about that? what What's some advice you might give these guys to to think differently about uh, kind of creating more digital experiences? what What are you thinking about in that space?
1: Yeah, our most cutting edge work there actually had been done in Europe prior to the pandemic. Um, it was the football, the other type of football teams and leagues that were really interested, largely because they came to us and said that they had a following that transcended well beyond their city, well beyond their local um, country, national market. And they were you know, trying to figure out how do we develop this? It matters. It's part of our brand. It actually contributes to our overall valuation as, as an organization. So a lot of the work that they did was to take a step back and say, gosh, if we think about the different types of interactions we could have with our fans, what would we want to develop? So to give you a sense for some of the things, you know, a, a standard digital presence on a, on a website, they started to think, you know, what if this weren't about kind of just projecting who we want to be, but instead allowing fans to, of course, in a moderated type of way, but to interact with each other to develop some sort of energy. A lot of them start to work on, you know, are there ways for us to do fantasy leagues, fantasy games, to play off of that idea of fantasy in general and using data? So that's been very interesting. Um, a lot of them wanted to expand out kind of their fan clubs in general and have different tiers. Of, of fans that you could kind of earn your way through so that you could say, you know, if you were really a Man City, you know, fan, for instance, and you lived in Columbia, well, you could prove it as, as you went through certain activities. And that kind of engaged you deeper and deeper with the team. So that was kind of the work we were doing. I think all of that will be accelerated. The thing I think that the that the pandemic has handed us that um, wasn't as much a part of those early discussions was this idea that we should be thinking about asynchronous and synchronous experiences that people will have. And the, the way I express this to my team as we're out building the product right now is I just simply say, gosh, you know what the pandemic did? It brought us a second digital transformation wave in this form. The first one kind of was all about the essentially the transformation of paper into ones and zeros. You know, that started kind of in, in the late 80s, early 90s. It was the PC revolution. Frankly, most of the smartphone revolution was a continuation of that. It was newspapers. It was entertainment, you know, going from analog to digital. But the true kind of uh, revolutionary thing that I think we've seen over the last ten months is now everything is going to digital. By that I mean every human interaction. Uh, we're talking bar mitzvahs, baptisms, you know, court proceedings. Um, all of your games, like everything's going digital. And when everything has a representation in the cloud, all of a sudden, I think you have some really unique ways to transcend time and space. And that's what we're trying to really look at is, you know, how do you then transcend time and space? So that's the other dimension that's been introduced. So I think pre-pandemic, we saw a bunch of this really interesting kind of fan engagement type of work, build up the brand, build up the valuation. In pandemic, we're definitely seeing the introduction of this new dimension that I think is really making a difference. So we're, we're on a cutting edge. You know, we're trying to figure it out just like all of you, but it's pretty interesting.
0: Well, I, I love that you guys have become almost a, a thought partner in this, right? So you're not just saying, hey, here are off-the-shelf tools. It's let's get in and we've got a team of people that this is all we think about 24-7. We can come in with you and partner and create different solutions on a blank canvas almost. That's what it seems like, right? Definitely.
1: You know, we see a real market. Part of my conversation tomorrow with Statue is going to be the market that I see, and I'll be pitching into this market saying, look, when you look at everything becoming digital, what we now need is we need an army of people that are going to be going out and looking at these opportunities and saying, what do we do? What does that look like? I'll give you just a very concrete example. When the technology that we use for the NBA and the the NFL was based on um, tech here in teams that we call together modes. It was originally based on some research that we had that indicated that, you know, part of the difficulty of processing this experience is looking across, you know, Travis's background with Heather's background with Kathleen's background, like having a scan all the time. And the brain science actually showed us, hey, that taxed the brain more than all of us in one single space. So we built this mode that cuts you out from the background and then puts you into a shared background in a business setting. It was almost like being in a conference room together. When we first started talking with the NBA, they looked at that and said, hey, could you put people in bleachers like that? You know, and so they had this great idea of taking that same tech. And that's exactly what we want to do. We recognize we won't be able to, we'll be able to do the tech innovation. The application of that innovation into different forums, I think, is up to kind of this group and others. And so we see a real market opportunity um, to go out and kind of take the same tech and apply it to these, these things that we're seeing emerge right now.
0: Do you, do you feel like from just, even from a budgetary standpoint, Point. I think if I'm on this call, part of me is thinking, yes, yeah, like yes, we have a, a, a great blank canvas here. But it, do you feel like, for some of this early tech, I, I know I'm going to use it, a, a bad, not a, maybe not a bad example, but our background, right? We a lot of us from our team we used to work at Disney. And so obviously there's one point something billion dollar investment in RFID and trying to figure that out. Now the NFC and RFID technology is is pretty commonplace, right? So obviously being a first mover on technology is going to be a little bit more expensive. So if I'm on this call, I'm, I'm, I'm part of me is thinking, can I approach Microsoft and work with them as a standalone team or organization, or is it better to go from a league perspective to partner with you guys? Um, that, that's something that's on my mind. I don't know what you're initial thought on that is
1: we'd be open to both i'll tell you when i do talk with teams and uh, you know just one-on-one i often will want to understand what what they want to do at a league um, level just because i think you have an economy of scale at a league level and that's, that's interesting. interesting having one single team do something you know early on again um, as i look at you know the work that we were doing we did have teams approach us uh, for the nfl and for, for um, the nba and we kind of said gosh you know what this is gonna have a bigger impact if it's more like a league experience that we can invest in we We can get focused, put all our wood behind a a, a couple of arrows as opposed to a whole bunch. So that's a great way to go. At the same time, the thing that I'll say is, um, again, drawing on my conversation for tomorrow, if you think about what's happening here, my sense is that – if we really take a step back for a moment and analyze kind of the trends that will stick with us, I believe that this big trend of proximity, physical proximity, being less dominant in business, in sports, etc. I mean, we're going to need it for some things. You don't play a game without, be, without being physically proximate. But there's a lot of stuff you won't need it for. And what my... Um, kind of prediction is as I present tomorrow to Satya is we're gonna see a bunch of the physical proximity oriented spend start to shift digital. And that's what I would actually plant as a seed for this group is don't think that this is net new budget. Oh I've got to go get new budget. Think, well wait a second, we already spend money on these things on operations, on physical premises, on office spaces, on you know, et cetera, et cetera. Are there ways in which we can start to shift some of this spend? digital. And what impact would that have on the organization? That's the, that I think is the winning, that's what's going to happen over time. And that's the winning place for you to be is to start to predict some of that, you know, and we we often will talk about, depends on if you're from Canada or the U S but our Canadians will say, you've got to skate to where the puck will be. Our, our U.S. folks will move without the ball. Either one's fine. But I guess I would just simply say, you know, that's what I would encourage this group to do is to think about that. Yes, spending will grow up, will go up. In fact, digital spend on transformation projects which is broadly in IT this year by Gartner is predicted to go up 7%, which is amazing in the face of the downturn. Like, we actually think that's phenomenal. But it's not just that that spend will go up. It is that we're going to see spend moving around kind of essentially the OPEX sheet of a company. Of company. company. And I think that's pretty significant or any organization.
0: That's huge. Uh, I I think that's a great takeaway for everybody. Uh, drew go, and then we'll go to Travis.
2: Yeah, hi Jared thank you for taking time with us today this is this is fascinating stuff um, we, we were fortunate at the University of Texas um, in Austin that w- we were already using Microsoft teams prior to the pandemic as a communication tool within our organization we, we have a large organization that's kind of in disparate office spaces and places so it was a it was a connector tool for us um, and then we all got very educated on the um, what we're doing now the the video conferencing um, and use it on a daily and and, and weekly basis uh, to keep our teams together, um, which is exactly what I wanted to talk about. I appreciate you sharing that because we we started the season using teams together mode on our video board for fans to engage in the atmosphere in the audience. Uh, I, I am very curious of the opportunities that we would have to transition to a more custom solution. Um, can you talk more about how we'd be engaged because we'll be using teams together again on Saturday at our game versus Baylor, but but we're always interested in pushing the envelope, doing more and incorporating more fans. As you mentioned, we, we transitioned our Bevo Boulevards and Longhorn City Limits and Smokies Midway and all the fan engagement activities in person that we were accustomed to to a 25% capacity stadium elimination went NFC technology, went all mobile ticketing, went cashless, went touchless, went everything all in. So we shifted our engagement focus to digital and this has been a great tool for us, but we'd love to push it further. How how do we do that? Yeah,
1: it's great. I put my email in the chat for everybody who's on here, since it's such a small group, and you can definitely send me a, an email. I'm in the process. We don't think that we're going to do all of these first party. Meaning, I am spinning up a team that will be able to do high touch engagements, but we're in the process of working on what we would just simply call an ecosystem play, where we want to find. I mean, this from my perspective, if you have a brother, an uncle, a mother who's interested in starting a business, this is an interesting place to be because the tech exists. But there is some translation necessary, Drew, as you're indicating. So, um, I, you know, send me an email. I won't be able to do anything about that you know, on Friday or on Monday, but we're in the process with my team of putting together an ecosystem that would have partners that would come in and serve, and we would bring those partners in and essentially kind of work with them one on one. Now, early on, I think it'd be pretty interesting for us to work with you one-on-one at least to understand what you're trying to do because that would really shape the investments we're making. We haven't, we haven't innovated this fast, I think, since Bill was at the helm, you know, like we're, we're really in a, we've gotten this in this place where he's like, you know, you get one of these opportunities once in a lifetime, you should really go for it. But I would love to talk with you more and anybody else who wants to send me a mail, please do.
2: Excellent. I, I
0: appreciate that. Thank you. Beautiful. Great question, Drew. Um, Travis, I know you had a question too. Uh,
3: uh, yeah, um, so right now I'm working with uh, Penn State, and uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, we uh, did a quick rollout uh, of Microsoft Teams to increase productivity, uh, and what we found when we rolled that out, and I'm sure uh, people on this call can relate, um, is there was an adoption rate with uh, some groups that were tech savvy, uh, and then there was, so we had a, a large group that were very on teams, sharing, collaborating on files, uh, and then you have another group that were a lot more hesitant, um, why add more software, why add this, uh, when I have my email on this. So uh, how how would you recommend working with um, folks that are more hesitant to change, especially in a world when the pandemic has forced us to move that way? You've you've spoken about shifting budget from uh, physical environments to digital. Um, But what the trend I found is a lot of people are trying to mimic physical environments in an online world. Um, Can you tell us about, you guys have a lot of app integrations. Uh, How do you guys... Uh, deal with change management and rolling out teams uh, to you know a department that ranges anywhere between 150 to 500 employees yeah you betcha we have a lot of experience in this and I'll just speak to it you know
1: briefly and then Travis I'm happy to take it offline as well cuz we have some materials that I can Help you out with. Um, I would say the single biggest thing that we have seen pre pandemic, post like middle of pandemic, we saw a lot of this kind of get pushed together. But pre pandemic was the enrollment of the the leader or a leader in an organization to act as a champion, A. And then B, the selection of starting with one one really important business process and then growing to more business processes that you would actually run on the platform. So I'll just make that very concrete. You know, when we started a couple of years ago, we actually asked our, our chief marketing officer. (laughs) Thank you. The <laughs> cat well, I report up into a guy named Chris Capicella. We said, Chris, we really need your help with this. Uh, we need you to mandate to all of all of uh, your organ, your entire organization. I don't know what it is, probably like seven or eight thousand people, um, that all meetings from this date forward are going to be Teams meetings only. And what's what's more, if you'll do that, we're going to take the rug out from underneath the other solutions that are out there and really force people to do that. And that leader, you know, not only did he do that, he he kind of led the way personally and said, look, we've got to digitally transform folks. Like this is, if we're going to, if we're going to really do this, we have to be all in. And that leader makes all the difference. You know, people, we're still very social animals. We're still very hierarchical animals, no matter where you work, even in tech. And we just find people follow the leader. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we've done is choosing that kind of high value process. And I don't know what that would be for, you know, the University of Pennsylvania, but choose whether it's, for instance, you know, out kind of scouting or choose the you know the way you're gonna come up with what the what the ops looks like the ops plan for the week or whatever it is choose a process and then get everybody committed and say we're not gonna change everything but we're going to run this process on teams. And what ends up happening is people start to understand like, all right, that's, that's cool. You're not, you're not telling me I have to do everything, but I, I can, I can do everything here. And we find that inevitably, if you pick the right process, we never have a, honestly, like a hundred percent, we just never have customers that come back and say, oh, this didn't work. We, what we find is people are like, wow, that's a good way to do it. You know? And then they start to see the real benefits that they can't have, you know, trying to do it the old way. They're like, oh, it's so cool. I was able to, to wind back to two months ago meeting here because it's all stored, you know, like that was the coolest thing ever. Or I was on the road. I didn't think I'd be able to make it, but I, it, the experience was really good. I didn't feel like a second class citizen, you know, so those types of like choosing that process and it's best if it's an ongoing process, you know, in sales orgs, I asked them for instance, to choose their, their pipeline reviews once a week. I'm like, look, if you'll make a pipeline review thing, people just get used to it. And so you want to choose something like that, that has some kind of repetition associated with it. But again, if you'll reach out to me, I'm happy to get you some more, more more uh, info
3: that we can get. Awesome, thank you. That's
0: yeah. beautiful. Um, I think that is honestly a, a good transition into this more workspace and what does the future of work look like? Uh, we talked about digitization from a customer experience standpoint, and now we're kind of moving into that em- employee experience side of things. Um, Jared, I know one of the things that you guys have been working on recently is you guys have done so much research on the use of teams and these communication tools and whatnot. And I think you obviously have seen a major boost in usage of communication uh, throughout the pandemic, but it's not just an increase during work hours. It's an increase outside of work hours and the amount of people that are that are doing it. I know for all of us here, the, the challenge that I think a lot of sports and entertainment organizations are in right now is that we're trying to do more it seems with less because we've got people that are in furloughs we've got budgets that are cut less so we're all grinding extra hard to make what would have been normal happenstance last year we're trying to bring that to life now so i mean how are what are you guys seeing from a an employee burnout experience or perspective and and how are you guys fighting against that and and let, let, let's go down and, and see explore what that what comes of that conversation.
1: Yeah, well I think a lot of come out of that conversation is a little bit at the heart of what I'll pitch tomorrow too. Um, really interesting things happening. Um, if I if I take a step back for a moment and just talk about like the cultural conversation around tech. Pre-pandemic, I think it's been put on pause just a teeny bit, but we've gotten a little bit different flavor here over the last 10 months. Prior to the pandemic, I think the cultural conversation on tech was, you know, wither the humans. Like, what happens to all of us when robots get really good and artificial intelligence gets amazing? And, like, is there a place for us on this planet? Or are we all headed for some dystopian, you know, future where it doesn't look very good? And at least for us, you know, we've done a bunch of work. We really feel like, no, you know what? Whether the humans will tell you where they go, they they have a unique role to play in the future, and that is that they are incredible generalized problem solvers. We still don't have what what if you're familiar with the kind of uh, term of art. We still don't have AGI, which is generalized artificial intelligence. We have specialized or narrow artificial intelligence. That's going to be like that for a while. Humans have an incredible role to play. We believe in being generalized problem solvers. They invent new things. You know, they improve old things. They have this way of envisioning the future and then getting to work to make it so. I mean, humans have a role that we think is very, very important. But that leads me to this big part of my pitch tomorrow, which is what I call the productivity paradox. Our problem, however, has been since the end of World War II, we've taken all of those kind of like uh, thoughts of productivity that apply to machines and have tried to apply them to people. We've we've thought that if we could just get people to work 24 by 7, if we could just get them to like be doing their email while they were standing in the in the cash register line at the grocery store, it'd be awesome. We'd be so productive, we get so much done. And it turns out that's not the way people work. It turns out people are much more like athletes and you guys would be very close to this. They have these times of peak performance and they go after it, but then they need to kind of cool down, burn down a little bit and recover. That's the way people produce and that's so important. So that leads us to this idea of kind of well-being and how we find this harmony between technology and human existence. And uh, from our perspective, what we've learned is that you just, and this is going to be like a major brainstorm, I'm sure, but you can't work your people to death. And that in this pandemic, what's happened is everybody's trying to do three people's jobs. First, because they're so so scared they're going to lose their job. And then second, because there's not much work to kind of go around. And we're starting to realize that we can use the technology to help with the well-being of the people in an organization. So that idea that there is this productivity paradox that in order for people to be productive. It's not just about working them like machines. And the idea that then we can use the essentially the exhaust from digital activities to really start to monitor wellness. We think that's cool. And we actually think that there's something there that will turn this idea uh, there we go that's nice we don't, that'll turn this idea um, of, of managing people from uh, less of an art as it is today to more of a science in the future so that's kind of where we're headed in general I'm happy to talk about specifics but in general that's where we're going
4: hey Jared Jared this is Mike um, so uh, what what are what are the things that that you're you're worried the most about um, whether it's things that are going on in the industry or um, or is it? Can, can you just not keep up with what's going on? Because it feels like we are just being inundated with so much, so much information and passwords and everything else. And by the way, if I if if I give you my Microsoft Teams ticket number, can can I use your name to escalate my solution?
1: You can try, but I think they'll be like, "Hey, Mike, there's a process. Get in line." <laughs> but
4: I didn't try. I
1: yeah. <laughs> what are we worried about? Um, Well, I I guess I'm worried that um, in the midst of of all this kind of information, it's kind of what we talked about for a long time. But maybe I I would say it this way. The pandemic, we feel like, has essentially launched upon us a year's worth of digital kind of um, progress. I won't even call it progress, but we'll call it progress, digital progress for every month. So in the last 10 months, I would kind of assert we've essentially seen what the next 10 years would have been like on the whole. So I, I think, Mike, if, if you take that perspective and just think, hey, man, like we've seen a decade's worth of what would have been. But now within 10 months, we're kind of seeing, you know, us humans push to the limit of what they can absorb in terms of technology, interruptions, even the addiction to kind of like, you know, all of the the things that are designed to capture and keep our attention. And so I think we're kind of at this breaking point, frankly. I mean, that's one of the things pandemic has done to say, how do we become human again? Like, how do we get our humanity back where technology is meant to amplify who we are instead of control who we are? And I just feel so strongly about that, of just like today, unfortunately, especially in the consumer world, everything there is finely, finely tuned to capture your attention and to essentially I think, turn it into an addiction, you know, where you're just like, you're just like after the next kind of hit, if you will. And that's what I worry about. Like, I just don't think that's good. I have four kids. I don't think that's good for my kids. I don't think that's good for my posterity. I don't think it's good for any of us. When you're at a a line in a grocery store and everybody has their heads down on their phones, I think that's a bad sign about society. So I don't know if you worry about that, but that's certainly what I worry.
4: Well, about. I, I think you you hit it. You were you're spot on in, in in terms of the the escalation, the amplification of how quickly we've now had to adjust. Because if not, you were just left behind, and a lot of people have been left behind. So for, for somebody that's that's sixty five, you know, I, I've I've got to get on the bus because I figure I got at least another ten years worth of work in me. Um, but is D- digital learning is another area that's really been amplified. What is Microsoft Teams doing in that space, or is that a space that you're that that you're letting someone else jump in on?
1: No, we're definitely in. Let me um, let me actually just see if I can share something out with you here real quick, and it'll just give you a little bit of a picture for some of the things that we're investing in. Um, tell me if in a moment you can see something that says the future of work. I'll give it just a second. Can you see it? We can see it. Yeah. When people ask me about, hey, you've got all this Teams usage. You know, where, where are you taking it? What is the future of work? Here are the the seven principles that we've come up with just over the last few months. Of like, here's where we're going. And I'm happy to speak to any of these. But you can see, you know, teamwork, cultural, and, and social capital. Your question on learning hits on number three. We think that you know what is happening here is that we are seeing an increase of the cycle time of the world. When all of a sudden everything's digital and proximity doesn't matter as much. The cycle time is just going to speed up. You know, I would call it the clock speed is going to speed up. And none of us can keep up. Um, from the Microsoft perspective, this is one thing that Satya has done really well is he came in six years ago and said, all right, here it is. We were who we were. Everybody put that behind you. The future will go to the people who have what he would call from Carol Dweck's book, The Growth Mindset. The, the, the people who can learn and adapt, that is who will own the future. And I thought that was such a, you know, six years ago, I was six years younger. I was really, I had lots of energy then. And I was really excited. about about what we were going to go and do. And I realized, man, that man's right. And so we've essentially taken that philosophy and we're weaving into teams. A couple of months ago, we we introduced the notion of, we didn't ship a product yet, that will come a little bit later in about 60 days. But this idea of building learning directly into teams, where it's kind of learning in the flow of work is what we're calling it, where artificial intelligence can detect, hey, you're working on these types of things, but I bet you don't know anything about these things. You know, these are new terms. These are new approaches. We can provide some of that content for you. And we're starting to work with outside vendors who would inject in essentially some of that content because there's lots of content out there. But the problem is getting it to you at the moment you need it. You know, it's like, dang, if I gotta go sort through this, it becomes another like thing after my day job when I'm like, honey, just a second. Sorry, I can't eat. I've got to, like, figure out what this Ackerman means because I'm trying to sort out a big investment in it. And we just feel like we've got to do it at the moment of, of need. So that's kind of, Mike, that's where we're headed. And this is, yeah. I'm happy to any of these things, but these, this gives you a sense of, like, the surface area of where we're taking it. We have, you know, to give you a sense, Teams was nothing till the pandemic came about. And now we feel like we're a strong number two. Again, you know, we, we, we are... We have a healthy respect for Zoom, but in the commercial space, we're way ahead of them, actually. We have a good view of where we are. And in the world space, we actually have a good shot of overtaking them over time. But we think to do that, we have to be thinking big, You know, not just about video conferencing. We tend to think of video conferencing as the bow wave of the true digital transformation that's happening. It's the thing that people see right now it's not the thing that will be persistent in its current form. I'm happy to talk about that, too, but that's that's kind of how we think about it. Are, are, are
4: there are there certain company sizes that work best for you guys? I mean, if, if you're a company with 20 employees, is that too small? And is five, you know, what, what is there? A, is there a sweet spot for you guys?
1: I mean, just in terms of like company sizes that work well together.
4: Yeah, well, you know, I see automate process and workflows. You know, if you've got 15 people, you're, you don't have a whole lot of, I mean, you've got workflow, but it's not as organized and documented as, as you get. And I think that's part of the challenge you see with a lot of within college athletics, there's a lot of changeover. So processes don't get documented as well. And therefore, how can you automate what you don't really know from the first place?
1: Yeah, that's fair. You know, on that one, as an example, what what we have diagnosed over the last couple of years, let's take automate processes. You had to have like a certain size or like, Almost like critical mass of problem before you could bring in people because you're going to have to bring in highly skilled, expensive resources. Describe the process. Make sure that you got it right because it was pretty inflexible what you did. And our approach to this is a little bit different. We have something we call the power platform. It is what we call low code or no code development, and we actually want to push that right down to 65 year old. You know, Mike. Do you say your name Malay? Malay. Malay. Yeah. Like we want to put it right down to you. We want to say, yeah, you're not a coder, but no problem, man. Like Here's here's a tool that you can use as easily as you can use to create a Word document or a PowerPoint slide that will automate your process. That's when we think the world goes digital. And so those are some of the different approaches we're taking when it comes to ops that are broadly applicable across industries, certainly applicable to yours. And our, our perspective here is going to be how can we lower the overall threshold, the kind of activation energy it requires to use these. Great technologies. That's us. That's that's our kind of in our DNA. You know, we're not the prettiest company. We'll never be cool. We're not, you know, Google. But we think no. But we can change the world if we go in and, and make it easy for Mike to automate his process. That's the that's where we're focused.
4: I like it. Thank you, Rachel. Did you, Rachel?
2: Do you have a question? Yeah. Um, so I think
1: you, you touched on this a little bit on how. people may not, you know, we may not, the proximity may not be as big of a thing anymore, but people, I feel like still say, however many months into this, you know, when things go back to normal. Um, and so are you guys like, are you, what are you guys doing to, you know, make sure that when things are quote unquote normal, you guys are still sort of, um, there to, to help people. And, and what do you think that that new,
2: is there a new normal or is there a, Old normal?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, well, we have a little bit of a time machine in the world because different parts of the world are phase shifted. So as an example, Taiwan, China, South Korea, New Zealand, all back to work. Um, no masks on, they're in a different place. And they give us a sense. What we see with teams that I get excited about is their team's usage continues to grow as they are back. Why? because of the answer that I gave to Travis. When you take Teams and it becomes a part of the way you're doing things, as opposed to just video conferencing, you start to realize, oh, wow, this is like really useful. One simple example I'll give you. Um, we find with lots of our customers right now that if they use Teams for meetings, they're getting um, they're starting to see real benefit from the chat on the side. They're like, oh, that's a new way of doing that's really valuable. And as people go back to work, we actually see chat continue to be used even when everyone's in person. Why? Because it's a really interesting place where it's almost like texting amongst yourselves, but it's a group text where like, I don't want to interrupt the flow right now, but I want to just tell you that like, you know, the number that Drew said is right like as of 30 days ago, we have an update, it's 10% more now. You know, it's just a little thing, but it matters. It like increases the bandwidth for the interactions that people have. So we we really think that this is again, you know, the bow wave of what we're feeling, and that these things will be persistent. The way I characterize it is as follows. When historians look back, however many years, you know, we'll be talking with our kids about these things to 2020. I think they will characterize it literally as the moment when the post-industrial age ended and the beginning of the truly digital age. What I mean by that is digital has always been a thing, but what has happened is that the cultural norms associated with human interactions are changing and those will stay changed. We're we're gonna step, Rachel, if I can get together for my first time or for a couple times with you in person, I'll wanna do that. Because what we find, the science tells us that in-person interactions really help to build social capital between groups and people. Super important. Once you and I have met a couple times and I totally know how you work and we're like, yeah, let's let's go. Here we go. I could fly my way back to Minnesota and then you and I can work quite well, you know, and the problem that I saw pre pandemic was that the social norms hadn't caught up. We had all the tech. But if I would have told you, hey, I'm going to dial into this meeting, you know what I was really saying? I actually don't care enough about this meeting to be there. Is that okay with you? you know? But that is just, I feel like that's going to be different. You know, again, I, I'm a church goer, right? And in, in our church, you never could do ordinances. You couldn't watch your kid be baptized, you, like over video, just for whatever reason, Christopher Columbus didn't have it, so we didn't have it either, you know, but you could do it. It just wasn't a thing. Well, today, you know, because of what's happened, we're going to have at least a year of people, you know, grandparents observing their grandchild's christening, you know, over video. You can bet your bottom dollar that when they can't be there that next time, they're going to be like, hey. Can I join over video? So we really believe that those types of things are going to be persistent. That's the stuff that I would kind of coach you to get ready for is to think in your organization, what types of things could you continue to have be pers- persistent? Now, another thing that I'll tell you is we definitely see companies as I'm off talking to companies across the world who are totally rethinking their use of physical space because of what I just said. I have companies right now saying, hey, I'm going to cut my real estate footage in a city down by about 50%, because the way I'm going to think about this is those places are going to be places to establish social capital. When we have an all hands, we really want to have some center of gravity. When we really want to get together for two days and brainstorm and work on something, we'll be there. But outside of that, my work space will be in the cloud and it will be as easily as accessible and as rich in my home office as it will be in the corporate office. And that idea of like rethinking how space is gonna figure into how people organize themselves and get things done, that's pretty, I think that
0: will definitely persist. I can guarantee it because we're seeing it right now and that will be pretty revolutionary over time. Yeah, that, That's huge. And, and Rachel, I think about the implications for you guys in Blacksburg at, at Virginia Tech, right? I mean, like the ability for you guys to reach corporate partners and be able to create a more normal relationship because of digital is going to be huge. And uh, Drew, Drew, I saw your uh, your hand get raised when Jared started talking about physical space. I don't know if that's what your question's on, but I know you had your hand raised. We want to give you a chance. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious
2: not not necessarily on physical space because I, I agree with everything that that you said and and certainly you know we we've adopted that and have done many 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 deals during the pandemic exactly how we're we're talking today which has been very. I see the future. It will never replace the in-person interaction, that that socialization of human nature. But we're going to do a lot more of this and feel much more comfortable than you're right. The old the old phone call would never cut it, but this will. Um, my, my question is really: as you talk more about evolution and redefining and reimagining and and all these wonderful things as as the technology increases and you guys refine the the tools that that, that you develop within Teams, I'm I'm curious in your analytics. What do you see as a function of teams that you're surprised is underutilized? What are we missing? What are we not maximizing? What What have you guys developed that you said, huh, we're not sure why people more people aren't using this piece of this tool more?
1: I would say what we think, what isn't being used as much, but that's a relative statement, um, but then we think we'll see more of is kind of the adding structure to chaos type things. So a lot of what's happening is pretty unstructured. It's meetings, it's chat. Um, It's like, let me throw a doc up there and we'll work on it together. That's a lot of what we're seeing. We, We chalk that up mostly to kind of like the beginnings of digital transformation. As people kind of get a little bit more sophisticated, they start to use um, things like Planner, which is which part of Teams. If you have Teams, you have it, but it's essentially kind of like our Trello com- competitor, our, our Trello competitor. So it's work boards, it's your ability to kind of organize your work. Um, we have some great capabilities even when it comes to project management with our project cloud service that's integrated. I alluded to something that we call um, Power Apps and Power Automate, which is part of the Power Platform, and that's kind of process automation. Those are, we again, we have a little bit of a time machine. It's, that's saying of like the future is already here and just unevenly distributed the people who have been working on the platform for a while we see them work up kind of this uh, set of stages into just initial ad hoc kind of you know let's just go for it type of stage and then into more structured work so that's what we feel like we'll see is some of that um you know to give you some examples i was working with or uh, we just having a conversation a couple months ago with um the telecom out of australia might be Telstra. Um, And they had decided to use Teams as an example for all of their field workers as a way to get on site, do a repair where they were using Teams to kind of look up the procedures for the repair, but then to actually kind of video people into the outback, like no joke, into the outback so that they could look at a cell tower and, and look at what they were doing. It was just like the tech had been there, but all of a sudden they were applying it to a much more structured process than they were before. And I expect to see that type of thing. That's that's the final thing that I think will be a very big deal for us. It may not apply as much to smaller organizations like those on the, the call here. But I think you're going to see all of this tech catch up to what we call first line workers here over the next three to five years in a very big way. Uh, we've got some great integrations, for instance, with a company called RealWear that actually puts teams into a helmet like a hard hat. And it's it's almost like the bionic man. And it produces Projects out in front of you, like this little glass where you can see things and it projects to the person on the other end of of your conference call exactly what you see. And it is like, it is magical because it's just like you could be any place in any factory, any place in the world. And all of a sudden you're having this conversation as if they're right next to you, which is really cool. So that's the type of stuff
0: we think we'll also see that are great applications. Jared, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a boring, not a boring question, but a, a compared to what you were just talking about, it's gonna be a little boring question. Um, how do you guys at, run meetings, uh, knowing that you have? you know how to utilize all the tools that you guys have from collaborative docs to teams, et cetera. Um, I know Amazon is famous for their six page memo, right? Where they start every meeting by having to read that memo and nobody can start talking until you've consumed all the information. We're everybody on this call is just inundated with meetings in sports and entertainment world. Um, so how do you guys run it? Because I think if anybody knows how to run effective meetings with the tools that everybody has, uh, it's probably you guys.
1: You know, we are learning to, to get to my answer to Drew to be more structured in our meetings for sure. Uh, we have adopted for certain meetings, um, pre-reads and do exactly what Amazon does. So my meeting tomorrow has two pre-reads of 10 pages a piece. And we'll say, all right, everybody stop. It's going to be silent reading, just like in the old days. And we'll read. So for strategy, deep strategy discussions, we find that that's very useful because otherwise everybody kind of is like touching one part of the elephant. And, and the first, you know, Ninety percent of the meetings, everybody just trying to, to say, "Oh, I've got the trunk and I've got the tail." I'm like, it's just a, it's tough. So that's what we do for for deep meetings. Um, the the other thing is that we, um, you know, just like standard meeting practice, we try to use agendas. Um, we use uh, we use OneNote as our way to take notes together. We use whiteboards quite a bit. Um, you know, I think we probably use the digital tools a little bit more naturally, maybe since we're a tech company, you know, that we invented them than others. And so we just try to use that whole spectrum of digital tools. That's the other thing that we do. But then I'll tell you the third thing that we're actually working towards, which is um, we're working to the day that you just don't go to as many meetings. Like at the end of the day, what's the best meeting? It's the meeting you didn't go to. You know, right. <laughs> like that's that is truly our position. And so the The work that we're doing on recording meetings, on being able to search the transcript, um, we've got some really great work that you'll see coming out over the next couple of months that is called a meeting summary that will actually use AI to say, here's what happened over the course of this meeting, not just the transcript, but here's the here are the topics that were talked about. Here was a decision that was made. Here are the action items that came out. And then as the meeting summary gets sent to you, it'll say, this is every time, you know, that Travis's or Rachel's name was mentioned so that you can go there quickly. So we just think the best meeting is the meeting you didn't go to, you know, the meeting that instead you did something else for. And that's a very strongly ingrained part of like who we are. We just think you can't. There's just you, if, if human productivity is going to be bounded on the number of hours that we're not sleeping, like that seems like a kind of artificial boundary.
0: We think we could do better than that. Too cool. Um, well, I'll, I'll kind of let us close here in terms of Jared, uh, what questions do you have for the group? Uh, obviously we've got, we've got people from all different departments across the country, uh, different teams. I, I know you wanted a, a chance to, to ask any questions. I didn't know if you had any that were front of mind and pressing for you. Uh, but. Oh,
1: I, I have one immediately. I would just love, and you could use my email address if you want, but I'd love to know what you want us to make. Um, I, one Perfect example would be, you know, tomorrow I'll I'll talk to Satya again and say, we never would have come up with together mode, which is that kind of splicing people out of their separate backgrounds had it not been for the the pandemic. And we are in like ultra fast innovation mode right now. And I'd love to, you know, we don't see every problem at all. I'd love to hear. You can tell me now or you could send it to me. Just are there things that you'd like to see us create? Because um, you're seeing the problems at the same time we are. And we'd love to hear.
2: One thing well, we'd love to see that our that our fan engagements and digital guys would love to do is something that integrates more stickers and reactions, similar to Instagram Insta Stories. We've got a whole kit. Of Texas longhorns, you know, expressions that that we can use graphically. We'd love to see that incorporated as we do Zoom backgrounds. You know, Travis, I, I love it. I hope you guys, by the way, have masks somewhere or six feet apart. You're just virtually in the space here in COVID pandemic. Uh, <laughs> We believe in masking down here in Austin, believe it or not. Um, but you know, as we've as we've seen more people adopt this school pride, this team pride, this spirit of backgrounds and and imagery, we'd love to capitalize off of stickers and emojis and things that can be expressions within these chats. That's
0: really great. Thank you. That's a good one, uh, Rachel. I see you've got your hand up. Is that from before? all right perfect
1: it's like it's like your blinker on that's what i've learned you know, like,
0: oh, your on. <laughs> my wife's always giving me for that when your blinker's on dude it's like do you not pay attention <laughs> well if, if nobody else has any other questions uh i'll give one final call for questions and if not we can wrap us up here anybody else going uh brandon you've got a question you're gonna bring us home Yeah, this
1: is uh, Brandon from Engagement. Uh, One question that I have is basically uh, I'm realizing that a struggle that many people may have is this idea of uh, are you approaching the turn to digitalization as how can I best replicate live interactions, which in reality we can all agree is probably impossible, or is it do you find yourself taking more of an approach of, well, let's get away from how can I best replicate it, but more so how can I add on to this or how can I create a new version of what digital interaction looks like? And so I know with you know live uh, events such as uh, fan tailgating or live concerts, I know right now more immediate uh, move is to kind of replicate it as best as you can. But in reality… Does it become how can you add to that or how can you create what's considered a new interaction, if that makes sense? Oh, it totally makes sense, Brandon. I, it, it would be the latter. Like we definitely, we our company philosophy is um, don't try to replicate what only reality can do well. You know, instead, kind of try to be natively digital. Think about what you can do well digitally. And then even beyond that, think about where you can blend the physical and the digital in ways that are interesting and new. And so, you know, maybe one, one seed I'll plant for you. We definitely have ongoing work right now of holograms that would allow you to sit in the conference room and see have someone see you there sitting down um, in a way that starts to blend. Um, and, and they are amazing. Um, we've demoed them a little bit. Uh, at this point, we're not carting them out because we think it would freak everybody out. Um, but we would just say that, like, you, you should expect us to go natively digital in kind of our approach and then be looking at ways to bridge the digital with the with the physical I think that will be if we push out you know maybe I don't know two to three years you'll absolutely start to see these rooms you can walk into and you start to feel like wow like Rachel's right there holy smokes that's that is amazing but in kind of more three dimensions than
0: you've ever seen so we're headed in that direction but we'll see too cool. And I think it's especially relevant for a bunch of you guys on the phone that have thrown virtual tailgates and done some different things with, the, with your fan base uh, as is. Well, Jared, I think that's a great spot to stop us. Uh, thank you so much for spending the last hour with us uh, To everybody that jumped on. Thank you so much. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.